Welcome to Colby Cast, episode four. Thank you for joining us today. In today's episode, Hope and Bonnie discuss the importance of workspaces in homeschooling. They talk about what worked for them, what may not have worked so well for them. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. Organization is one of those things that is so specific and personal that we can't give one-size-fits-all advice, and yet it's almost impossible to get a foothold without knowing how other people have made it work. We've been reminiscing this week about our first week ever of homeschooling. We just finished our first week of our fourth year of homeschooling, and we've been talking a lot about what that very first week was like. Um, When we started, we were all around the dining room table, and it's a lovely table. I found it on Craigslist, and (laughs) I like it very much, but it was not the greatest workspace for us. Some people have great success schooling around their their family tables, and that is fantastic, that we weren't one of those families. Um, At the end of that first day ever, I was just utterly wiped out just physically. The chair I was sitting in most of the day, it was not intended for that purpose. It was really just for Thanksgiving dinner at that. (laughs) It was probably about the longest it was intended to be used for, but I sat in all day long, and I was really kind of wiped out. The kids were distracted by each other, and they didn't have the space they needed to work. And this is the real important part. This is that is a space that's a designated laundry folding space right there. So <laughs> we have an open area upstairs at our house that had been functioning as a playroom of sorts. And that became our school area. We had a very fancy, not really eight foot folding <laughs> table from Sam's that we set up in the center of the room. And we uh, found various chairs from around the house, um, some vintage desks sourced from family and Craigslist again. Oh, so everybody had a desk at that point. And again, the chairs, they're not like ergonomic fancy chairs, and but they're not sitting in them all day long either. They're up and around, and um, so they work for the time being. And there are some folding chairs in there too. It's very much not fancy. Um, we had some fabric bins that we were using to store school stuff in, books and supplies, notebooks, things like that, which is not, I wouldn't recommend that, but it worked for the time being, kind of got us off the ground. Um, now the desks has the books and papers and the pencils and things like that, um, calendars, if, if people have them. We still typically work around this still fancy eight-foot folding table, and but each, each of the children has a desk for working. They do sit there occasionally. They kind of move around this way, and we've got, we're really fortunate to have some other spaces around our home where, where the kids can go and work on various things if they need uh, quieter working conditions. Um, each of their desks does have either natural light or a lamp that they can turn on because that's necessary. Good, well-lit work area. Definitely. And um, I have a desk myself in that same space. So we're all up there together most of the time, but up and down and moving around. And so it, that works for us. By the end, I think at the end of our first year of homeschooling, we added a wall of cube bookcases because, you know, I, I just love the fabric bins. So these are the um, the cube bookcases that those fabric cubes would fit into. But they, they work for us. It's a whole wall full of them 
all the textbooks and the binders that house our course plans and, and all mm. that stuff. So, and we have multiple bins full of Legos. I'm not going to lie. They're still down there too. And <laughs> bins full of books and um, some games and puzzles. So it stores most of that stuff. So we have this open area where people are working and we're having conversations. We try to do a lot of uh, discussion, have a lot of discussions and work aloud through coursework as much as we can to reduce the paperwork load. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So it can be difficult to focus on work if someone else is having a conversation. So some things that we have tried and other folks find helpful would be like noise canceling headphones. Um, a family I know uses science fair display boards to kind of wall off in a way their working area from other kids just to kind of create a visual barrier um, or boundary that, you know, this is my workspace, that's their workspace and kind of, um, they make it work that way. Or uh, I've seen, you know, fun room screens, room dividers that might help function as boundaries if need be to help with focus. And I've said help a whole bunch of times. So, Oh, but you also said another word that's really important, which is boundaries and mm -hmm. including the physical tangible boundaries and also just kind of the divider of this is where we do school and this is where we are at home and we're relaxing and things like that. Because I remember being in fourth or fifth grade and being very frustrated because the hallway outside of my bedroom had several school posters on it. And I, I eventually just said, can we please take these down? Because I don't want to walk out of my room and first thing be hit with a map of like the, the, ancient Phoenicians, I think was what was up there. <laughs> I know some people who did school in their bedrooms and that's what worked for them, especially like people in bigger families where it was crazy and noisy and, and lovely, but like they needed their own space. Whereas I was the only kid at home um, when I was being homeschooled. And so I never, ever, ever did school in my bedroom because my bedroom was where I went to be off of school. Sure. So we do have one who goes to his room to work on um, some when he needs a lot of focus. He does his math in his room. For the most part, we stay upstairs. And, and actually, it, it is our school area. And we all think of it that way. But but we tend to congregate and do other things up there, you know, projects. And we have a really uh, nice. hard and fast rule about lidded drinks only in our school area. We, I mean, we mostly <laughs> drink water. So uh, my goal with the upstairs area isn't to recreate a classroom, although we do fill our visual landscape with attractive and helpful material. We have a crucifix on the wall, at least one, probably multiple, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and religious, some religious know. art, a calendar, a very few reference posters and maps. I don't have a lot posted. And I, I think a lot about what to post on the wall. Sometimes I do hang up a few things for reference, but I don't want to, we don't have a lot of things up there. It's, it has come a long way. And Ours is kind of organic, as I think that's the word you like to use, Hope. It has grown just <laughs> into what it needs to be and continues to service just how we need it to. And Yeah. Um, when I was homeschooled, so our parents' house has, I think it's technically called a mother-in-law bedroom. It's like a bedroom on the other side of the house from most of the bedrooms. Um, so mom put up this poster of every single pope on and of course back then it was saint john paul ii who was the reigning pope and so that was up on the door and then he'd come in and we had so many bookcases we had i think um two walls of bookcases and one wall with windows and then there was a 
closet on the other wall that would hold paper and, I don't know, toner and craft supplies and things like that. So our mom and I each had our own desk. She had a big desk. And especially when I was younger, I would often pull up a chair to the other side of her desk and either we would work on something together, especially like if we had um, math manipulatives. So different like Cuisinair rods and things like that, which are really cool ways to work on math with elementary schoolers is having like these tangible ways to consider fractions or sorting or ratios or things like that. So we would, we would work together at her desk for those. And even as I kind of got into like upper middle school in the beginning of high school, sometimes I'd pull up a chair and either read on the other side of her desk or uh, write things out while she was working on her computer. Cause she also did some volunteering for our church and things like that. So I do that too. She was I have one of the oh, kids yeah. come up to pull up a chair to my desk and that's a good workspace for us too. It's like a secondary Our We have our center table and then we have my desk as well, where we can do that. If, if that works, that's good. I forgot about that. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So that I especially use that in elementary and middle school because I had a pretty small desk that wasn't, an, I think it was our mom's when she was a girl and now it's in mm-hmm. your schoolroom, Bonnie. Um, but it was, it was the right size for elementary and middle school. But then as I started getting like the bigger math books and the bigger science textbooks and things like that, then we looked at a bigger desk and I had my heart set on this one. Like I, let's just say my style was not in our budget. So our dad is great with tools and building things. Um, he had, he has a desk job, but he likes to do home improvement projects on the weekends. And so we ended up building a much larger desk for me for high school. And it had plenty of room to have a lamp and had a hutch on it. But then I still had plenty of room to have, especially like in Colby High School, a book, a study guide, and a notebook all open on my desk at the same time. So we built that desk and I love that history. It's a good story. It's a neat part of your homeschooling story. Who knows the desk could have a, have a future. Mm -hmm. Like I would love to homeschool my kids whenever they come along someday. And so, yeah, we had, we had our desks and we had our bookcases. And other than that, um, our mom put, so many reference posters up. like they were super cool i kind of like bonnie your restraint with like putting a few up but not as many as mom did we we practically had a wallpaper of like latin declensions and a lot of neat maps um, up i only have a few maps up and yeah. i have atlases we can look at but it's it, it you'd achieved a neat effect with with your posters i think it did but it, i like how you yeah. also you found this desk design that you liked, but you also knew what you needed your desk to do, how you want, needed it to work for you. And that's kind of alongside our start from the dining room table. It, we were there for a little while, you know, a few weeks. I, I forget exactly when we made the move upstairs, it, but we were downstairs for a while working around the table and figuring out how yep. this, how the whole thing worked really. That, that whole first year I considered this grace period of sorts, like just give us enough space to just figure this out and, and that was part of the part of uh-huh. that is figuring out how we're going to work together and with each of them when need be and what kind of supplies we really need because I love school supplies. 
<laughs> Me too. And it turns out we need a far fewer of them than certainly our shopping list had been before. We really uh, pared down our what school supplies we do need. And I, I see this just, these questions come up a lot. Like what kind of school, is there a school supply list or what do I need for school supplies? And really we have pencils, erasers, we have um, crayons and colored pencils. I myself am a huge highlighter fan. I think you hope have, you're more skilled at your highlighter usage and you can deploy them judiciously. I'm, I did not develop the, the highlighter skill. We have just, you know, some school supplies, some glue sticks, but not anyway. You get the picture. Yeah. Well, my my highlighting skills came from the Colby study guides. Um, those kind of taught me how to, because I remember, I think I've mentioned, we started with Colby in ninth grade. So I had no experience with kind of approaching the classical curriculum before starting Colby. And so we would open these books of, I don't know, pick your, pick your favorite Plato or Plutarch or things. And I would have absolutely no idea where to start. Yeah. No idea whatsoever. And the study guides were so helpful. Obviously, they helped you understand the content um, for sure, but they also like taught me how to read and approach and understand a text that I'm not familiar with. And so my highlighting skills came from working with the study guides and building off of that, I guess. So of course we've figured out, it takes some time to figure out how we work best and what kind of space we need to work. But then we come to this question of how do we deal with all the paper? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of paper. I do as much allowed as possible um, academic work that is. Um, for, for us, this is some grammar work, religion, Bible history, some science, some of the literature that, you know, anything that we can discuss aloud, I, I try to do that. And that helps me gauge how well they're getting it and how much, you know, where they are with the material. And not every single mm-hmm. thing needs to be graded. And there is written work, but not every single thing needs to be written. So I also, though, have a multi-tray paper organizer on my desk that serves as both a turn-in tray on the top layer and also an inbox for each child. And I'll put a link in the show notes when I talk about for them, for their work that is done on paper, like vocabulary, composition, any, any written papers that they're doing, um, that once it's graded or noted as completed, that work goes in that child's designated level and they're labeled accordingly. Somebody wrote in lovely script there, the, each child's name and taped it to the layer so that everyone knows which tray is theirs. So each, ch- each child also has a graded work binder. And I actually end up with probably two by the end of the year. Once I've put something in their tray, the child's tray, once I've dealt with it, with done with it what I need to, I put it in a the tray, they put it in their graded work binder, and then we can go back and find it later if we need to. And I still have all the work that they've done. I, I don't know if I necessarily need to keep all the work forever. I'm guessing no, <laughs> but I do <laughs> still have it in boxes from previous school years. So um, this relates to the topic of grade reporting for those of us who are fully enrolled and, and want that service, the grade keeping and the, and the record keeping when I go to mm-hmm. submit grade reports later. And I think we'll talk about this on another occasion, but, um, that first year it was kind of like just all the paperwork and it all just piled up. But from that point, I have developed a system where 
if I have something I know I'm going to submit for a grade report, such as a quarter exam or a paper of some kind or something else like that, I'll go ahead and scan it with my phone. I'll use the, the scanner function of my notes app on my phone to create a PDF of that and save it in a folder that I create on my computer. And then I have the PDF image of it. I just have it there ready and waiting when I eventually go to submit the grade report. So of course I, I miss these every once in a while, you know, I don't get every single one done. I try to do it at the time they're created. Or if I, if we are at the end of a quarter and there are multiple quarter exams that we're going through, you know, what part of my process before I give them back to the kids is to go ahead and scan them and, and have that electronic image of it. So then that smart, I can take that off of my list in my brain. So I think we submitted my grade reports electronically as well, but the way that we would aggregate the papers to submit them was that we had a, a manila envelope or, you know, a, an envelope that would hold it in a half by 11 size pieces of paper. And we had one for each quarter. The first piece of paper in each one of those envelopes would be like the list of what yeah, the checklist. Subjects yeah. needed. Yeah, the checklist. And then I would stick when I finished a test or if it was like a an extracurricular that I had some sort of a report or um, a ticket from a field trip or whatever. Basically, I would just stick the papers into the envelope as I identified them, check them off the checklist. And then at the end of each quarter, we would batch scan all of it. Nice. Um, but that was also back when we had, shall we say, more rudimentary scanning <laughs> capabilities. And that was, the iPhone was brand new and we didn't have them. <laughs> so it was, it's cool that you can use your phone to scan immediately because I think that that is a better way to tame the paper given. Um, yes, it's very Given handy. the resources that we have yes. now. Yes, and there are a number of scanner apps I happen to like the one that is just on board the, in the notes app. Yeah. And it's certainly, nice. certainly is easier to uh, accumulate this documentation as we go along through the year. Same thing as processing paperwork. Now there are many, many times I'm sure it will happen this year when my, in, my inbox, the, the turn-in tray is just so full and it starts to overflow and paper falls down the back. And then we have to you know dig around at the back <laughs> of the desk and all that stuff. And it, and I just feel the, the sense of, discouragement. I had to go read Mrs. Meath's blog post again and then this overwhelmed <laughs> about, oh my goodness, I'm so behind with all this paperwork. It really, I'm really trying to cultivate the habit of staying on top of that paperwork. Even like I said, not everything, not every single thing needs to be graded. It does need to be checked. Like, yes, we're doing this work and we're understanding it and we're uh, working towards mastery. But if I can do it at the end of each day or every other day or at the end of the week or um, I don't really like to be doing it on Sunday, honestly. I do some prep work on Sundays, but um, I, if I can do it as we go along, it's so it's so much easier. And now, of course, that's easy for me to mm -hmm. say now that I've been through it a few years now. But and I certainly didn't start that way. It was all just like, what <laughs> are we doing here? But but mm -hmm. now, and I remember you had pretty focused on grading each individual assignment your first year or two. And then I think one day we were visiting, and I mentioned to you that when I was in college, my French professor would hand back most of our, like our daily work just with a check mark. Like, okay, you're, you're on track. I probably and... was just dubious of that. Like what? <laughs> what? You can really do that? <laughs> but, yes. 
Well, hey, if it's, <laughs> yeah, if it works for a college French professor, mm-hmm. it will definitely work mm-hmm. for, yes. um, yeah. certainly elementary and middle school and a lot of the day-to-day high school stuff too. Yeah. You know what we haven't talked about yet is doing school elsewhere. Yes. So one of my favorite topics, car schooling, schooling, library schooling. You're good. You were good at that. You guys were very mobile. It was a lot easier, I think, for us because there was one of me and one of mom Mm -hmm. and there's one of you, but there are four of your kids. But it is nice to get that change of scenery and to either get other stuff done. Like I remember sitting at the car dealership waiting for, um, waiting for car repairs and doing school reading or working through a workbook and things like that. It's nice to be able to multitask. Right. I guess. Yeah. Um, we're big, we're big Alton Brown fans mm-hmm. around here. So when he talks about like unitaskers and multitaskers, we like the multitaskers. So if there are like, there were some, um, lectures that went with the Colby ninth grade and some with 10th grade, we would listen to them in the car while we were driving over to see you, Bonnie. Yep. Sometimes when we would drive over to a bigger city from the small town where we lived, we might have a commitment in the morning, in the morning and then later in the afternoon and have a big time break. And so that's when we would do a lot of our library school. Like yeah. 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 A layover. I like that term. Yes. Yes. And that I think is actually one, uh, one good benefit of homeschooling and is developing that flexibility to be able to identify, I'm going to have this space of time here. How do I fill it? Um, well, I can do the schoolwork mm-hmm. or I can read this book or, I mean, I mean, we tend to do that, I think, but it, it's certainly more intentional if we have, if we know, if we can look ahead and see, hmm, there's going to be some time there. How can I make best use of it? And I've talked before about um, our desire to be better stewards of our time leading. That was one of the factors going into our decision to homeschool. We had a lot of layover time, a lot of it. And, and that's another thing that is its own episode, but that sometimes being a good steward of your layover time means figuring out, oh yeah, I can do this or that. But it's also like one thing that I've really focused on, even in these past couple of years of managing my adult schedule is avoiding the idea of worth is productivity. Sure. Um, and that you always have to be working. So, yeah. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah. And so sometimes like the learning, both the time management of the planners and the organizational management allows a lot of flexibility where either you can, and it's not an either, or it's a both. And that some days your layover time is, oh yeah, I can go ahead and get caught up on school or ahead on school or whatever during some space. And then other days it's how can we organize this so that we can have an afternoon off or let's work ahead on Monday and Tuesday because Wednesday there is, you know, a show at the zoo that we've been wanting to see or something like that. And so it's really flexible because it, each of these methods or considerations that we've talked about, they all really serve that idea of being a steward of your time across your life, which school is a big part of it, but it's not, it's not all of it. Yeah. Um, I want to mention a couple other thoughts I had about keeping organized. We get a lot of email from Colby. Thankfully, they're very good at communicating with us. So I have, I label my incoming email from Colby 
appropriately. Actually, I have a few different ones, but just to label it somehow. And I stored it into folders for easier access later. Now, you know, most email programs, you can search for email that you're looking for and that's fine. But I also like, I take the additional step to put it in a different folder. It just, it works for me. So, um, and I think with any schoolwork, any workspace setup, the ideal is to have a space where in progress stuff can be left out, not indefinitely because you don't want that because it just accumulates. And the supplies can be housed for easy access, but it also, again, is not to recreate a classroom necessarily. It's your home. You're you're learning at home and studying at home, working at home. It's first and foremost your home, and you we make the space. We use it as we need to. So, um, not everybody everybody's got a different space set up, and it I think again allowing ourselves the the breathing room to figure out how we work and what what we need to work effectively. that's part of the process is giving ourselves that space to do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a lot of that is experimenting. It's um, giving something a long enough try that you can see whether it's something that you get into a routine with, or if you need to adjust it. And if you're coming out, having to have, having had to jump into schooling at home, um, distance learning from last year, and you just had to just, wherever you could set up your workspace and it was all it just had to be it just was what it was and you had to just roll with it now this can be different it can be you've had some experience going through that seeing how what worked and what didn't and you can apply that to setting up your space this year and further refining it it doesn't it's always a work in progress mary our mother pray for us saint maximilian colby pray for us Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.